there, my name is Natalie Nation and you're listening to Feed That Nation. I'm a master's of public health student, I'm a future registered dietitian, I'm a health educator, a content creator, and a self-proclaimed mac and cheese expert. I am here to talk about all things college life, health, and wellness to help you college students to become more successful, more confident, and more healthy in your college experience. I upload new podcast episodes every Wednesday right here to YouTube and to your favorite podcast listening platforms. And I upload vlogs talking more about college life, health, and wellness. I share recipes. I show off my patio garden and do other fun things. Those vlogs are every Saturday on YouTube. You can also go check out my blog, feedthatnation.com. Go follow me on Instagram. I am at feedthatnation. And go follow my Pinterest boards. I create Pinterest boards surrounding several of the topics that I talk about right here on Feed That Nation. So today's topic, talking all about college diet culture, I'm going to create a board all about it. Go check it out. All links are below. Before I dive into the topic, I am, as per usual, going to share my food, my follow, and my fun for the week. I'm actually going to save my follow recommendations for the end of the episode after we talk through all of the nitty gritty. But my food for the week that I would recommend you all to give a try is cream cheese. I know, I know, okay, so stay with me for a second. So if you're somebody who eats dairy, or if you're somebody who can eat dairy, I understand there's a lot of personal choices, ethical reasons, and allergies and intolerances surrounding this topic, but if you are somebody who eats dairy, I have found that cream cheese is one of the most versatile ingredients in my fridge. I probably use it a little bit more than I should, but I feel like I add it to a lot of recipes just if I'm looking for a little bit of extra fat, a little bit of extra creaminess, a little bit of extra tang. So I will add a little dollop of cream cheese to my mac and cheese and get it all melty in there. I will add a little bit to if I'm making like refried beans and I don't have sour cream, I'll add a little dollop in there, get it all melty. I shared a recipe on my Instagram at one point talking about my loaded marinara sauce. So saute a bunch of vegetables, add pasta sauce, and then melt a dollop of cream cheese. Makes a super hearty, super awesome, creamy pasta sauce. There are so many different things you can do with cream cheese. And so if, again, if you eat dairy, give it a try. I have had a lot of fun experimenting with using it in my recipes. My fun for the week is something that I've been doing to relax and take breaks, a little bit of self-care on my end, and I have been taking baths and listening to podcasts at the same time. Baths are fun on their own, podcasts are fun on their own, but there's just something really nice about soaking, relaxing, and then listening to something uplifting. I've been listening to a variety of different podcasts. I don't listen to a lot of nutrition podcasts but I've been listening to some professional personal development podcasts, a couple of comedy podcasts, a couple of storytelling podcasts, and just kind of enjoying the variety and being uplifted while also doing the self-care of not only getting clean, but relaxing in the bath. So I also, before we really dive into this topic, I need to issue a trigger warning. I am going to be talking about different aspects of diet culture in college that will include talking about disordered eating. It will include talking about disordered exercise behaviors. I will be talking a lot about food and I will be addressing specifically eating disorder topics. If this is something that would be triggering to you, make you feel unsafe, would be harmful for your mental health, 
I encourage you to please, please do not keep listening to this podcast. I want you to be safe. I will leave a few resources down below if you are struggling. And I would definitely encourage you to check out my other podcast episodes. I have several that are not in any way, shape, or form related to food. College diet culture is something that I feel like I didn't realize was a thing until probably two or three years into my college career was when I started to realize that all of the behaviors and the attitudes and these kind of just normalized acceptable things were part of this really uncomfortable and harmful system on college campuses and I guess I want to share a couple of statistics first, and I know that statistics can kind of cause people to be number blind, but I think these two statistics in particular are really important, and I will leave the citations for where I found them down below in the description. But one statistic is that 40% of college freshmen, by the time they get to college, will have struggled with disordered eating in some capacity. That's a lot of people. 40% is nearly half of all college freshmen. That is an insane number to me. That is absolutely insane. And the unfortunate thing is I believe it. I believe that this statistic is true. And not only that, I believe that actually it's very likely that a lot more than 40% of college freshmen have struggled with disordered eating. The second statistic that I wanted to share is 12 to 25% of college women will struggle with an eating disorder at some point in their college career. That's also a lot of people, and the statistic also shares that most of them are unlikely to receive or seek out treatment. And I think here is maybe where I should break down the difference between an eating disorder and disordered eating. And this is a tough one because there's a lot of overlap. But basically, the notable difference is that eating disorders are diagnosable mental health issues that have specific diagnostic criteria. They can be found in the DSM-5, which is the, I'll put it on the screen below, I do not remember what the acronym is, but it's essentially like the encyclopedia of every single mental health diagnosis that there is. And so in order to have an eating disorder in the formal sense, there's a diagnostic process, you have to meet certain criteria, and unfortunately a lot of these criteria are very white Eurocentric, they're very centric around particular behaviors that exclude a lot of people who are also still very much struggling. Disordered eating, on the other hand, is any behavior around food or eating or belief around food or eating or attitude around food or eating that is obsessive, that is harmful, that is destructive, that is interrupting normal daily functions to a point of harm, really. And so I'll talk about this later, but there are so many different attitudes and behaviors that kind of fit into this umbrella of disordered eating. It is amazing how many aspects of college culture either are direct disordered eating symptoms or they directly influence or encourage even disordered eating. Something else I think to add would also be that I will also probably mention disordered exercise or exercise issues. And this is kind of a similar concept in which it's movement, exercise, beliefs around or attitudes around, behaviors around exercise and moving your body 
that result in harm or that have the potential to result in harm. You know, these are obsessive, these are compulsive, these are harmful, these are disruptive, that kind of thing. And again, I'm going to leave lots of resources down below. I am a dietetic student. I have experience in learning about these things academically, but I'm not an expert by any sense of the word. And this is a topic that I think pushes the boundaries of like my comfort level in terms of how much I know and how much I feel like I can speak on it. So I don't want to overstep that because this is so important. So I will leave resources below if you want more information, if you are curious. This episode is already getting super heavy. <laughs> I'm really sorry about that. Um, you know, I'm not actually sorry because this is a really important topic that I feel like I need to address and want to address. If I'm going to be somebody who talks about college and health and wellness, this particular aspect of college culture and diet culture needs to be part of that conversation. And I feel like this is really, really important. And I've been thinking about this actually for months wanting to do an episode about this but I've had to examine like my comfort level within not only talking about these topics from an academic and evidence-based standpoint but also my comfort level in talking about these topics from personal experience. So with that being said I wanted to kind of dive into I have like a whole bullet pointed list of aspects of diet culture that I've personally seen, personally witnessed, or know that other people have seen and witnessed. And I wanted to kind of call them out and just brief description of like what this is and why it is problematic. But I also wanted to point out, I'm not calling just you out personally. If you are somebody who does these things or supports these things, I also want to call out the people around you if they do these things around you and it has harmed you in some way. And if you're watching this in video format, I actually have my computer pulled up just to one side of the camera because I wanted to make sure that I hit every single thing on my list. So my first topic, quite possibly one of the most pervasive and harmful ideas within college diet culture. You guys have heard me talk about this before. Actually, this is one of my OG Feed That Nation podcast episodes where I talked about the freshman 15 and specifically this whole concept surrounding the stigma around the freshman 15 and weight weight changes in college and then this really really sucky idea that the ideal is to achieve and maintain a slim body type in college. There are so many things wrong with this idea number one of which is that as I've said many times before college does not set students up for success in terms of caring for themselves students arrive to college and instantly they're in a new situation with new food and new schedules and new ways that they move their body, ways that they maybe used to move their body that they can't anymore or don't anymore. They have different stressors and different friends and they build different habits and there is no reason to expect that your body should stay the same when your circumstances have changed. There seems to be a very also like similarly pervasive idea that once you get to college, you should work as hard as you can to maintain whatever your high school physique was. And this is ridiculous. I mean, some people aren't even done growing and developing when they get to college. That's more of a male thing because men tend to enter and end puberty later than women. But also our bodies do change as we get older. And that is a good thing. <laughs> And I think I see this a lot in people who maybe were a one, two, or three sport athlete in high school, and then they get to college and they either decide not to be athletic anymore, not to do those sports, or they decide they want to do a different sport, and so their entire fitness regime changes, and all of a sudden their body changes. 
That's normal. Like I said, when circumstances change, when habits change, when lifestyles change, bodies change, and that's okay. I think also this idea is very, I'm gonna say the word pervasive and harmful like 18 million times in this episode, but if I come up with other buzzwords, I will let you know. But this idea of the freshman 15 and achieving and maintaining a slim body type is problematic because usually the ideal body type is based around a white, Eurocentric, slim body. And this is not the body that most people have. And it's kind of a racist idea as well, but it's also just a fact that everybody's bodies are different. And there's no reason why two people should look the same or that every college student should look like an Instagram picture or a Pinterest photo, you know? There's no reason why that should be an expectation, and yet it is. I think something I really had to work through on this topic is being able to acknowledge that, like, my own body has changed since I began college. And that's scary. And I think especially in terms of where we are right now with quarantine, my body has changed since quarantine, too. Again, lifestyle changes often kind of coincide with body changes. That's normal. And I've had to really work hard on myself to be okay with my body changing and that being okay and normal. But there's been a lot of positives, I think. And I've had to kind of, like, turn around and look at the bright side and be like, you know, since freshman year of college, like I've gained weight, my body type and shape has shifted. One plus side being that my boobs are bigger, which is kind of cool, but like also my hair looks a lot different than when I started and I wear a different shape of glasses now and I look older and you know, different ways that I care for myself have changed and that's a good thing. And I still manage to find clothes that I feel good in and I still manage to find hairstyles that I like and makeup that I like when I choose to wear makeup, which honestly isn't very often. I used to put on tons of makeup for these videos and now I like, (laughs) I didn't even like do anything. I brushed my teeth and that was like it. (laughs) But I think it's so hard to come to that realization and being okay with it. And it's honestly something I'm still sort of working on is being okay with my body changing. But that is kind of the first step to tackling this toxic piece of diet culture. We have to be okay with bodies changing and whether that's, you know, weight maintenance, weight gain, weight loss, muscle gain, muscle loss, we have to be okay with change. Another big piece of toxic college diet culture is kind of surrounded around all of the fad diets and all of the messaging and marketing for how you should change your body and the right way to change your body and the products that you need in order to change your body. And I've seen this quite a bit with friends, with classmates, with my residents when I was an RA, with stories that I've heard from friends about their friends. And it seems to be just kind of like a thing that students in college will try to go vegan or go keto or start intermittent fasting or do detox or do cleanses or do boot camps or food challenges to try and get a particular body type or body shape. And I'm actually working on a video, I don't know if it'll be a vlog or a podcast yet, but talking about should you go vegan in college. And (laughs) I feel like I've talked about fad diets before, you guys know my thoughts on them, I will link that video below, but honestly it's less about the what you do and the why you're doing it. And I think I'm talking here about 
doing these different fad diets or choosing to go on these different detoxes or these cleanses or sign up for these fitness boot camps because the motivation is body change, specifically usually weight loss, slimming down, getting toned. And that's another piece of diet culture in college specifically that I really don't like is it seems to have been very normalized that people go on diets or do these detoxes and cleanses and it's not a problem or it's not problematic. And it should be because it is problematic. Not, I mean, I have thoughts and opinions about fad diets. You guys know that, but the reality is that most of them do not work but the marketing and the messaging is that if you try a fad diet and it doesn't work, it's not the diet's fault, it's your fault. And that's the messaging that's problematic. It's not the detox's fault if you only drink juice and eat cabbage for a week but don't lose the weight or don't keep the weight off. It's your fault, you somehow did something wrong. This is absolutely incorrect. And I think we as college students have the power to really make a difference here because so, so many fad diets are not evidence-based in the ways that they're being used. And especially the detoxes and the cleanses and the boot camps, like anyone who's studied anything even remotely related to healthcare knows that no juice you drink is going to detox you or cleanse you. You have a liver and kidneys that do that. Nothing you eat or drink is going to change that. And we really have the power to call out these problematic behaviors in terms of if people are on campus advertising particular programs or if there's specific flyers or like brochures being put on message boards around your campus for these types of programs, you have the power as a student to say that this is not evidence-based and this is not appropriate. We do not want this on our campus. You also have the power to, in uplifting and encouraging and kind ways to call out friends and classmates who support this kind of behavior and these particular fad diets or detoxes or cleanses and to really talk to them and have the conversation about you know this is not evidence-based and depending on what it is this is not good for your body this could harm you and these conversations always have to be handled with a lot of delicacy and tact but we as students have the power to advocate for our friends and advocate for ourselves when there are things going on that we don't like and we don't want. Along the same vein of conversation is, and this is kind of controversial, so bear with me for a second, but so many of the multi-level marketing kind of pyramid scheme style girl boss, make your own money, side hustle kind of things, I'm not personally calling out people who feel supported and uplifted by working for these organizations, but I'm calling out the fact that these companies make money by making women, usually women, usually young women, feel inadequate, feel that they are unhealthy, feel that they have an undesirable body type, and then magically selling the products that can fix those problems. And these products are almost always expensive. These products are, I mean, quality. You can be the judge of that if you've ever bought or used one of these products. But it just, it's so sucky that so many of these side hustles that, regardless of what you think about multi-level marketing or pyramid schemes, they seem to prey on the fact that young women and young college students and young adults are insecure with their bodies and what they look like 
and they sell very expensive solutions to the problems that they've magically been able to create and call out. Another problematic piece of college diet culture is having to do with workout and exercise culture and I feel like I see this a lot in Pinterest boards like vision boards and like Pinterest checklists and like bullet journaling ideas where you'll have something like a habit tracker where you create the thing and you have the schedule and it's like drink water make your bed do this do that and work out and you fill in the box if you worked out that day and you have to leave the box blank if you didn't or you have the checklist of like how to be healthy every day and exercise is on that list for every single day. And if you didn't exercise that day, you did something wrong. A lot of college athletes do have workouts, either like team workouts or individually assigned workouts that they have to do every day. And I think it is one thing if you're like an active college athlete in a particular program, but in general, most people do not need or even I should say should not be working out a long time intensely every single day of the week. Our bodies need rest and there are lots of different opinions on this and I accept that my opinion is different than a lot of other people's maybe. But the bottom line of whether or not you choose to work out every day is there should not be guilt or shame associated in not working out every single day or for skipping a workout or for taking a rest day or for running out of time and not making it to the gym. Like college is busy. College is crazy. College is stressful and it's okay to not work out every day and there should be no shame in not working out every single day. And I feel like there's some kind of underlying pervasive attitude in certain circles and on Pinterest especially. I don't know why I see this so much on Pinterest where like you're expected to exercise every single day and if you don't it's some kind of failure. It's not. It is so 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 not a failure if you don't work out every single day. Okay so I in undergrad was a nutrition and dietetics major and I was in classes with a lot of nutrition and dietetics majors, or exercise science majors, or other healthcare majors. These were the majority of the people that I had classes with. These were, in fact, the majority of the people I was friends with. And I attended a women's college, so I'm uncertain if this is something that also happens at colleges that are co-ed, or in programs like nutrition programs that are more co-ed and more balanced than mine. But in most of my classes, we were a class full of young, relatively fit, relatively petite, white women. And in fact, most of our professors were also petite white women. This is just a fact of dietetics, and it's really unfortunate, and it sucks. And I really want to be on the front lines of figuring out how to change that while also recognize that, like, as a petite white woman, my voice should not be the most forward voice in this issue. But that's a completely different podcast. Anyways, there seemed to be among the circles of people that I would spend time with in classes or around campus that sort of revolved around food and eating and appetite. And I guess I like can't really explain this without giving an example. So like I had friends who would say that they could not stand eating ice cream because it was too sugary or that they really didn't like chocolate very much because it was too sweet. Or they would 
you know, not eat normal pasta, they would only eat zucchini noodles because eating grains and carbs just made them feel so weighed down or whatever. And they would say things like, oh, I'm never hungry in the morning or, oh, I just have to like force myself to eat because I'm not hungry. And a lot of these other, I hope that these words were not triggering for you because they certainly, thinking back on it, were very triggering for me. But there seemed to be kind of an attitude that the ideal is to never be hungry and when you are hungry to only eat vegetables and lean proteins and avocado and to not enjoy sugar and sweet and fat and salt and <laughs> i like it's it's kind of crazy some of the things that like i heard my classmates say around this topic because from a food science perspective, and I actually talked with this in like one of my very first podcast episodes with Dr. Nula Babowski, who's a food scientist, in both classes I had with her, and I think actually on the podcast, she makes the point that we as humans are biologically geared to enjoy salt and fat and sugar. These are in fact basic mechanical tenets of how humans evolved and survived. If we did not crave salt and fat and sugar, we would have died. We would not have the human race if not for these biological leanings. She actually said this in class once and I was like, I felt so vindicated, just saying. <laughs> but she made the point that like if people are telling you that they prefer kale to chocolate on taste alone, they're probably lying. And it is one thing if you just don't like chocolate, but if you're telling me that you would rather eat kale because it tastes better than enjoying something that has sugar and salt and fat in it, I don't believe you. I don't think I honestly would believe you because food is supposed to be pleasurable and salt and fat and sugar make food pleasurable and we are supposed to enjoy food. Not only that, but we are supposed to feel hungry. There's some kind of crazy like belief that like the ideal state to be is to never ever be hungry or have an appetite. And I hate that because hearing my classmates say things like, oh, I'm never hungry, I have to force myself to eat, or oh, I just had a couple of bites, but I'm full now. And that would make me feel ashamed of my own appetite because I was like, well, I'm still hungry. Am I eating too much? Is there something wrong with me? Are people going to judge me if they think I eat too much? This was such a like subliminal attitude, belief, behavior kind of sphere to be in when I was a nutrition student in undergrad. And I am so happy, like so genuinely happy that the people that are in my cohort in graduate school are not like that at all. I'm not calling out the people I went to undergrad with at all. Like this is something that like, it's not their fault because we've all been indoctrinated with these ideas of diet culture, but it was certainly not positive for me to be in those situations as a college student. I think going along these lines, there's a maybe more obvious problematic diet culture behavior in college, and that's sort of surrounding the idea of using substances to manipulate your appetite or to purposefully avoid eating before you go out and drink alcohol. And I really want to find some literature on this because I'm not an expert, but I think we all know that like if you drink alcohol on an empty stomach, you get drunk a lot faster. <laughs> and alcohol has calories. Alcohol has actual calories. Depending on what you're drinking, it might have a lot of calories. And I've heard different versions of, oh, like I didn't eat today because I was saving my calories to go out and party or like avoiding eating so that you'll get more drunk or feel better when you go out and party. 
and that is so yuck. That's just yuck to me. That's gross to me. And it's problematic. And I think the other piece of that is like using substances like caffeine to suppress your appetite or other substances that manipulate appetite. And that's really diving into some disordered eating concepts. And I think it surprises me that it's not necessarily common in college, but it's certainly more common than I would have initially thought. And I think there's so many nuances in how we can address these behaviors within college culture, but a lot of them go back to the beginning because a lot of these behaviors are centered around the idea that there's gotta be, you have to achieve and maintain a slim body type in college or you're doing it wrong or you're bad or you've, you, know, you should feel ashamed of yourself. And this idea that like appetite is bad and feeling hungry is bad and it's not bad. Feeling hungry is good. Honoring your hunger by eating when you're hungry is good. If your body changes because your lifestyle changes, that's okay, that is normal. And I think we just have to keep combating the things that college diet culture are telling us are bad by saying, no, that's not bad. And saying, no, it's okay, this is normal. This is a part of life. This means we're healthy, this means we're okay. The last couple of college diet culture toxicity moments that I want to call out have to do with our language and the way we communicate with the people around us. And I think two of the most obvious pieces of diet culture and like diet toxicity, body toxicity, whatever we want to call it that I want, I really wish would stop is we should never ever be commenting on the shape, size, or changes that another person's body has gone through. And we should never ever comment on somebody's perceived appetite, portion control, or food choices. And the reason for that really goes back to the statistics I shared at the beginning. Because so many college students and college women have experienced eating disorders and disordered eating, we don't know if our comment would be perceived poorly, would be taken well. Although honestly, I don't know a single person who likes to hear comments about their body really like even if people are telling me that I have an ideal body you know they tell me I'm a particular shape or I'm thin or whatever like it doesn't make me feel good but then also what if you're commenting on someone's portion size and you don't know anything about what they've eaten that day you don't know anything about the way their body works you don't know about any history that they might have with restriction or binge eating you don't know anything about them so why on earth would you make a comment like that? It's just so inappropriate. And I think also along those lines, I just really personally have a dislike for people who use eating disorder terminology out of context. So people who will say like, oh, she's so thin, she looks anorexic. Or, oh, I binged on popcorn last night when I was watching a movie. I don't know, it's kind of like when people say, oh, I'm so OCD, everything has to be in a line, or I'm so ADD, I'm so distracted today. And I'm like, no, you're not, you're not OCD. Or especially I take offense to the ADD because I actually do have ADD. And so when I say, oh, I, I'm having a really ADD day, I cannot focus on anything, I literally mean that my brain chemistry and the way that my neurons are all hooking up is not allowing me to get my homework done. And it's so, so, I don't know. I really hate when people use mental illness terminology in general to describe things that aren't mental illness. That's just a personal, like, a big dislike that I have, but I think it kind of, it goes along really well with we shouldn't be using anorexic 
in ironic or out of context ways because anorexia is a real eating disorder. And we shouldn't be using binging to describe food behaviors that aren't binge eating disorder. And I think honestly, the quickest way to combat all of these communication things is to call it out when you hear it. I mean, if you hear a friend commenting on someone else's body, call them out, tell them not to comment or tell them that it was inappropriate of them to say that. Or if someone looks at what you're eating and makes a comment that makes you feel uncomfortable, tell them that it made you uncomfortable. Tell them that you would rather they didn't comment. And that can be really scary, I think, because we worry it will cost us social currency. I mean, we worry that if I call this out, what if my friends think I'm weird? Or what if they make fun of me? Or what if they don't stop? But that can't stop us from calling it out because these toxic tenants of diet culture in college will never go away unless we are the ones to actively say that this is unacceptable and we will not stand for it anymore. Whew, okay, that was a lot. That was a lot of very heavy, very intense, potentially upsetting or triggering information. And I just wanted to allow us a few moments to just kind of breathe and reflect on it. So I'm actually going to take about 10-15 seconds here and I'm just going to sit here and be present with you and let's all just kind of soak in this silence and soak in this discomfort for a second. Okay. Like I said at the beginning, I'm going to leave resources down below if you feel like you are struggling with disordered eating, with exercise issues, or with an eating disorder. I really, really want you to get the help that you deserve and that you need in order to be comfortable, happy, and safe. I think also a big piece of addressing diet culture is thinking about our own messaging and the motivations behind what we do as college students and to think about do I ever say any of these things that could be perpetuating diet culture? Do I ever make comments about other people that could potentially make them uncomfortable or feel unsafe or trigger them? Do I ever support toxic ideas or harmful eating behaviors? You know, do I patronize businesses that sell products that perpetuate diet culture? And the first step of any of this is to be aware and just ask ourselves these questions and then to acknowledge if the answer is yes, you know, I have bought from a company, bought products from a company that perpetuates diet culture. Or, you know, I do work at a, at a gym that has a bunch of fitness classes that are very, you know, white and thin body type centric. And once we are aware of these things, that is where we can start to make the changes. And we have to do the work on ourselves before we start and do the work on our friends, on our family, in our dorm, at our college, in college diet culture as a whole, we have to start by doing the work on ourselves and start to work on getting right with ourselves. And I'm going to leave my follow for this week is going to be several nutrition professionals on Instagram that I have been following that post a lot about eating disorder recovery, body acceptance, and sort of things along the lines of what I've been talking about today. And their names are Megan Madrano, Anna Sweeney, Christina Johnson, 
and Dylan Murphy, and I will leave all their handles below. And I have actually been following most of these women for several months, and I really have been enjoying their content, and I feel so uplifted, and they just have such, such fresh and uplifting and positive and encouraging perspectives about learning to be okay with your body and recovering from eating disorders or shifting out of disordered eating or exercise behavior and I've just been really enjoying their content and feeling uplifted by it, being inspired by it as a future nutrition practitioner. And so I hope that maybe you will follow one or more of them and feel just as inspired as I am. I would love for you to leave me a comment below if you're watching on YouTube and tell me what are aspects of college diet culture that you have watched, listened to, or experienced. Go ahead and if you're listening on YouTube, leave this video a thumbs up. Go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Remember, I post podcast episodes every Wednesday and vlogs every Saturday. If you're listening on a podcast platform, also go ahead and subscribe to me over there and leave me a five-star rating and review if you are able. If you like this episode, please go ahead and share it with your friends, your family, your classmates, you know, your neighbors, whoever. I would really love it if you would just send me along to them so that I can uplift them as well. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram. I am at Feed That Nation. Until next time, I'll see you soon.